Hello there, I'm Shane Ray. Well, it's first Wednesday of the month, and you know that means Central Indiana today. We've got two guests for you tonight. Uh, the first one is going to be a an extended interview that I did with Jenna Himes, and she is the artistic director of the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. And uh, we did a sh- we aired a short piece of this interview during my show, the Drive Home Show. And this will be the extended interview, the full interview. And then Mr. Brian Scott talked with Suzanne Crouch, Lieutenant Governor of Indiana, and we'll put that on at the end. So you want to be sure and stay tuned to Central Indiana Today here on WYRZ. Central Indiana Today. Shane Ray talks with the newsmakers in and around Hendricks County. And now your host, Shane Ray. Well, just like I've been telling you here on the phone with me, I have Miss Jana Himes. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Wonderful. She is the Carmel Symphony Orchestra Artistic Director. How is Jana today? I'm doing great. I'm actually in Maine right now where it's sunny and the sky is a beautiful blue. Well, you can't argue with that. No. Uh, but you know what? I don't know uh, when you left Indiana, but it's actually looking kind of like that right now. I think we Mother Nature's been pretty good to us this week. And it sounds like uh, she has been for you, too. Oh, certainly. And, you know, we always uh, love this in March because... Uh, you know, January and February are kind of dark and a little bit uh, cold, and mm-hmm. so it's always nice. But I go back and forth. I was in Carmel about two weeks ago, and it was it was pretty cold. But um, I'm glad um, when I come back uh, this weekend, it's going to be nice. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, good. Hey, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you do, which uh, what exactly does the artistic director for the Carmel Symphony Orchestra do? Well, it's funny that you ask that because during COVID, my job has really uh, changed a lot. Uh, but basically, my job is um, to do all things artistic. So I run the rehearsals. I conduct all the concerts. I decide what we're going to play. Um, I'm part of the uh, audition process when we um, audition new players. Um, I'm, I'm really the overseer of all things artistic, I guess I should say. But with COVID, we've really had to you know, learn a lot of different things and wear a different hat, uh, uh, all of us, mm-hmm. um, several different hats, uh, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, have learned a lot about live streaming and really work closely with marketing and development as we try to sustain during COVID. And we have been playing regularly with all of the guidelines and the, um, the you know, the government uh, rules and regulations and the Palladium's rules. Uh, we have been abiding by those and being able to offer our community performances uh, ever since uh, COVID came on the scene. So we've been really hard at work to make that happen. My my goal has always been throughout all of this to get our players playing as much as possible. Um, it's really important that they do that, and I feel really committed to that message. So we've been very active, and um, it feels great. It's exhausting, but we have a lot to be proud of proud about i think uh, but you know now covid is um starting to turn the corner uh we're not out of the woods yet but we're able to 
I think, be able to look into the future. And um, now what we're doing is planning a lot of, of uh, really optimistic programs for the fall and beyond. Well, excellent. That's what we're going to talk about. Now, if um, if folks who maybe haven't bought season tickets or whatever, but they would still, they would prefer not to go in person just yet, but maybe they would like to see the live stream. Is that possible? Yes, of course. Live streaming is open for everybody. Um, and so are tickets. So uh, you don't have to be a subscriber and you don't have to be associated anyway but yes you can you can either buy a ticket or you can live stream and all that information's on our website and we encourage people you know especially if some people you know might be a little bit hesitant to go to a symphony they've never been before they don't know what it is or what to expect and we understand that um we we just want them to come and try it because um we've seen that when they come and even just experience it once that they then are hooked and we try to make it as audience-friendly and people-friendly as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Now, you also have some more things coming up in April. Isn't that right? You, Yeah. So April 24th, we have a concert. Um, it has one of my favorite symphonies. It's the Bizet Symphony in C. Again, very – just uh, I'm putting music on that's really positive. And this is our season of hope. And we call this uh, Hope Renewed this season. And even though we had to change our programming, um, you know, as – things change. We've been very flexible. Um, this is a wonderful program. We begin with the Mozart Overture. We're playing the Foray Pavan, uh, the Ravel Mother Goose Suite, which is beautiful, and then the Bizet Symphony in C. So that, that one's April 24th. And then our final concert of this season will be May 8th, and that's Mother's Day weekend. And we thought it'd be really fun to program this for moms. And we have a lot of... Um, and, and actually, I was really thinking of their kids. So... We're, we decided that we would um, have a singer, Leah Crane, who is an Indianapolis singer and vocalist and, and has a great following. Um, so we invited her to come and sing with us, and we're doing a lot of Disney music. We thought it would be a great way to get moms and kids, and dads too, uh, into the hall. And it's a short program, probably about an hour long, and just really kind of casual, but more for you know families and people to just come and maybe experience the orchestra for the first time. Yeah. I, I have seen uh, orchestras, you know, a, f a few times myself in person, and it's it's there's nothing like being there. I mean, of course, under the circumstances, you know, live streaming is great too, but there's just nothing like going to hear, uh, going into a, a great theater and hearing all of those uh, instruments coming at you. It's just a, 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 an experience that's even hard to explain to anyone. Wouldn't you agree? You know, I totally do agree. And I think, you know, I remember having this conversation when we were talking about, I don't remember who, who actually I've had this conversation a lot, uh, comparing, you know, a great sound system in your living room to a live concert. Well, the mm. great sound system in your living room has been edited and it's been produced and it's going to sound terrific. Mm -hmm. And if you have a fantastic system with great speakers, it, it's always going to sound wonderful. But when you come into a hall, it might not be perfect. I mean, these are live human beings, and things happen, and, and you know, people cough um, in the audience, or <laughs> something drops, or, you know, I mean, there are all kinds of things that happen at live performance. Right. But there's also an energy to a live performance that you get, that you can only get when you're there. And there's something really extraordinary about that and i i love all kinds of music i'm 
I was brought up with music and I just love music. But there's nothing like a live orchestra concert. It's just so powerful and uh I just I I just am always moved no matter what an orchestra plays. I just think it's it's thrilling to see all these people on stage and they are representing one thing together. You know, I just I just find that just incredible. It's it's like the highest form of teamwork and I just love it so much. Yeah. Uh, the March 13th uh, concert is uh, sponsored by United Fidelity Bank. And I know, uh, speaking as a nonprofit, you always want to give thanks out to, to Thank the you. sponsors. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for that. They're, they're a great sponsor. They, they uh, sponsor us every single year. Um, we love them over there. They're such nice people, and we really do thank them. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. And, of course, if folks want more information about upcoming performances, maybe they want to get uh, season tickets in the future, make great gifts for folks, uh, carmelsymphony.org. That's the website, right? That is the website. Yes, it is. And all kinds of information on there, but specifically about this concert as well. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how you got involved with the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. So um, I had another position before this, and I had been there for 15 years, um, and I had really built that orchestra to a, a really fine level. And I think I, I, we were at the point, I felt, for, for, for me, that I had done what I could do there. Um, we could always play, and we always played well, and it was a, a high-level orchestra, but we had some issues with our performing arts hall, and I wasn't sure if one was going to you know, be built. And it, The changes that needed to happen were really long-term changes at that point. And for me, it, it, it was time to look around, and I, I, it, it, it was actually it was okay. It was a little bittersweet because I really loved these, this orchestra. But it was time for me to challenge myself in a different way. Um, so I thought, well, let me add to what I'm already doing because I was doing that orchestra and guest conducting and summer activities and all kinds of things. And so I um, looked around and I applied to Carmel for a couple reasons. I had been the number two at the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra when Raymond Lepard was the music director. And that was a long time ago, but I, you know, I was, I was sort of starting and, and I learned so much with that orchestra. But I was the number two and now I'm kind of like the number one where I go. So <laughs> I thought, first of all, Carmel was just a, really a, a suburb. It was very, it wasn't what it is today. Right. But when I went online and I started to do my research, I couldn't believe the growth. And I could not believe the support and the commitment that I saw for, for the arts from the leaders of the, of the city, the mayor and all of the city leaders. And I was so impressed by that. So I made a couple of calls to friends who live out there, and I started talking about Carmel, and they were telling me about the high school and the great orchestra program and music program in general, but, you know, five orchestras that are all terrific. And so I thought, well, let me put my, my you know, my name in the hat. We'll, we'll see what happens. And so um, I actually, you know, obviously got chosen to interview. It was a, it was a long process. They they had a really a long questionnaire. I remember it being a written, kind of like a written questionnaire. And it, it was obvious to me that they were looking for a specific something because they were really um, very specific questions. So I answered the questionnaire. Um, then I did, a, I, I believe, a couple of uh, phone interviews. And then I did a, a Skype interview. I don't think we had Zoom or knew about Zoom back then. Hmm. And then I came out for a week, did rehearsals and a concert. And it was quite a lengthy process. It's usually about a two-year process. The first year... They go through all the materials, and then they do the interview and the audition process the second year. 
So I was offered the position, and I did both orchestras for a couple of years, and that was good. I was really busy. Um, you know, I have colleagues that have two, three orchestras that they conduct, um, but I'm kind of all in. You know, I'm, a, I'm like a 150% type of person. I don't really just do things kind of just to do them. I kind of <laughs> do them with a lot of purpose and energy. So I have uh, just completed, I'm uh, starting um, my third, uh, this is the first year, this is my fourth year. Um, so COVID was my third year um, and it was a really uh, t- tough year, yeah. um, obviously. So, and the first year um, I only did some concerts because of my schedule. So I've really only been with the orchestra one full, like, healthy year. The others were, were um, you know, not quite full because of different reasons. But now I think next season um, is going to be a great year. I think that we're turning the quarter with COVID. Um, you know, I certainly hope you and your family have been fine. It's a, it, it obviously, you know, we all hit a brick wall and it was such yeah. a scary time for us. Yeah. And the, the performing arts were, were extremely hit, hit hard, very, very hard. And some won't come back. Um, but we really worked hard this year to always have a presence in the community in some way, whether it was our online camp or our, our series called Getting to Know Your CSO or just podcasts that I did or interviews or, or, or playing, you know, um, while we're not playing and haven't been playing as much as normal, we've been out there and having, uh, just making sure that, that people know about us and that we are performing to some degree. And we played once a month, um, but we've had to curtail, you know, basically really change, um, the, the, the makeup of the orchestra. Um, sometimes we have 70 people on stage and some of the concerts had 32 musicians on stage because of the social distancing and et cetera. So we've had challenges, um, but we have been playing, and I'm very proud of that because not all the orchestras in the area can say that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Once again, we want to remind everyone that if they want more information, not only about the upcoming shows, but uh, maybe just inf- uh, information about the uh, Carmel Symphony Orchestra. They can go to carmelsymphony.org. You guys are a nonprofit. You do need sponsors. You do need donations and that kind of stuff. That's always appreciated. I know that quite well. So, uh, Janet, I certainly do appreciate you being our guest today on Central Indiana Today. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking your time to have me, Shane. I mean, you know, you have a lot of people who probably want to be on your show, and, and I really, really appreciate you having me as your guest. Thank you. Now, our next guest is Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch. Now, Mr. Brian Scott, who does the morning drive here on WYRZ, did the interview. And it was actually before March Madness all kicked in. So there is some information about that in there, but we decided to leave it in. And they talk about a few other things. So we'll get right to that now. Brian and Scott talking with Suzanne Crouch. It's my pleasure to welcome the 52nd Lieutenant Governor of the State of Indiana, Suzanne Crouch. Thank you for joining us here on WYRZ. Of course, Brian. Great to be with you. Uh, in case you hadn't heard, and it's probably... Uh, 
unless somebody you know really has been in quarantine for quite a while now. It's March Madness in India, the state of Indiana, and we're getting ready. We've had our first four games down in Bloomington Assembly Hall and up at Purdue at Mackey Arena. But the state of Indiana really, I think, has come through with something that, A, uh, unique in that the entire tournament is being held here in the state of Indiana. And, of course, unprecedented. Take us back two or three months ago when the state of Indiana went to the NCAA and say, hey, we have an idea. Well, I tell you what, it, 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 it was perfect kind of timing. It was kind of the perfect situation because, as you know, Brian, the NCAA is headquartered here in Indianapolis. So they were looking for a way to be able to put on the March Madness, but to do it in a safe way. And of course, Indianapolis is the perfect city to do that because we have five arenas here. We have one in Lafayette, we have one in Bloomington, which are just within an hour's drive. Uh, and so they were able to have all the games. We have the capacity to have all the games in a very, very small area um, that other cities couldn't offer. We are a basketball state. We have some of the largest basketball stadiums uh, in the country when it comes to high school stadiums. So we're all about basketball. So the NCAA being here, headquartered here, we having the perfect kind of, you know, set up to be able to do it. We know we can put on big events. You know, we hosted the Super Bowl before. It's a walkable city. Uh, we just are, we were just perfect. And the NCAA was familiar with how perfect we were. So it just made sense to do it here. When you started talking uh, about this and it looked like it was going to come together, now the logistics involved. As we began the week, there are 68 schools here in central Indiana to begin the tournament. How does the state get involved with, uh, let's say, some of the, the hotels? Because we do still have a lot of COVID uh, restrictions in place and helping to get all these schools safely into Indianapolis and then make sure everybody's got accommodations, food and whatnot. Well, it, it, as you know, Indiana is one of the top rated states for our vaccination rollout. So we know how to put on big events. We know how to make things happen seamlessly. We have been working with our hotel motel industry to be sure that we had the capacity to be able to host and safely host all of these visitors. Uh, we know that capacity occupancy rate will be up 50 to 60 percent in Indianapolis and then a smaller percentage in the outlying areas because of the influx of visitors. But precautions are in place um, where people are tested, you know, that they have to follow the COVID and the state uh, guidelines <clears throat> to be able to participate and to be able to be at events. And, um, you know, we have taken all of the proper precautions to keep people safe while they're here experiencing that basketball March Madness here in the state of Indiana. Now, many of the schools and, of course, their players and staff are going to be quarantined during the tournament itself. However, we, as you mentioned, we still have a fairly large influx of people coming to uh, central Indiana to enjoy March Madness and considering uh, it was kind of a shame, you know, just a few weeks ago 
the NBA All-Star Game, which was scheduled to take place here in the city of Indianapolis, had to be postponed. It'll be held in a few years. But now we have probably uh, an even bigger amount of people coming in for March Madness. Well, you know, obviously people are concerned. We all are concerned with, you know, the influx of visitors. But we have taken all the proper precautions. And, and I will tell you that way back in the summer, we introduced the Hoosier Hospitality Promise through our Indiana Destination Development Corporation. And so hotels, motels, restaurants, destinations, they can go online and register on this website saying that they will take that Hoosier Hospitality Promise and they will follow all the guidelines and put in all the safety precautions to keep people safe during COVID. And visitors can go to that website and they can find you know, where, where are those places where I can go and I know that the precautions are in place to be able to keep me safe, where we know that they are being kept safe uh, and the people in the restaurants are kept safe. A lot of times those visitors can actually take the promise themselves and that will uh, allow them to be able to um, get discounts at these restaurants. So they can go to visitindiana.com slash promise, visitindiana.com slash promise, and they can find those establishments that have taken all the precautions and are putting in place all those safety measures to keep everyone safe. Of course, uh, when March Madness concludes, weather is getting warmer and the state of Indiana is uh, always known for great park systems, great opportunities to uh, visit Indiana. As we are starting to get into the spring months, I know a lot of people, as they say, have the whole COVID fatigue. But as vaccinations increase, as people start to uh, uh, become better vaccinated, we are already seeing wonderful results as far as the the decrease in the number of people affected with COVID here in the state. How is the state looking to maybe rebound a little bit from what happened last year and in many of the uh, other tourism opportunities that people will have coming to Indiana? Well, we are, you know, the our Indiana Destination Development Corporation are really taking and have put in place a campaign here during this March Madness by where Hoosiers are telling their story, and some of them are very famous Hoosiers that are telling their story about why Indiana is so great. Uh, so that those individuals, those people that are perhaps coming to Indiana for the first time, can learn more about Indiana. Uh, and those kind of videos are overseen, um, are voiced over by David Letterman and Sage Steele. Um, so two very famous, prominent uh, Hoosiers that have gone on to do great things. So we're using this opportunity to really sell, um, sell the visitors, sell everybody that's coming to Indiana for the first time on how great Indiana is. And so people can go to hashtag my I N capital I N my capital I N crowd, get it? My in crowd. Mm-hmm. And they can see, they can see all of these videos of people talking about why Indiana is so great. They also can find out all the great tournament kind of stories out there, the different stadiums that are famous here in Indiana and they can vote for their famous, you know, their favorite famous stadium. Um, you know, we're, we're using this opportunity to really try to 
introduce people that are here, people from all over the country and world, we're trying to introduce them to Indiana and tell them why this is a great place to live, work, stay, study, and play. Before we let you go, uh, it's March Madness, and we, we we're not going to be able to end this without finding out. What does the lieutenant governor of the state of Indiana, how does she have her bracket filled out? Oh, Purdue winning all the way. Well, of course. Of course. I should mention that the <laughs> lieutenant governor is a graduate of Purdue, and Purdue being the only yes. Indiana school uh, in this year's field of 68. So I'm sure you will be glued to the TV later this evening. Uh, Purdue taking on the mean green of North Texas. Is that, in, is that intimidating? Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Not at all. <laughs> we have been talking with the 52nd Lieutenant Governor of the State of Indiana, Suzanne Crouch. Thank you so much for joining us here on WYRZ. Thank you, Brian. Boiler up. You've been listening to Central Indiana Today with your host, Shane Ray.